You're listening to Soul Work with San, where we journey through the needed conversations so that we can live, lead, and love better in this life. I'm your host, San. And uh, fam, this episode today, we goes there. Yep, I know how I said it. See, today we're going to talk about something that we cannot escape. More specifically, the Bible itself says that it answers all things. You guessed it, money. But deeper than that, I want us to discuss what we think about when we think of wealth and what it all has to do with our souls. And we're asking a lot of questions on this episode, y'all. We are putting in the reps and sets today. So you ready? Let's work. so poor, all you have is money. I'll never forget seeing this meme sometime last year on Facebook. The internet is ruthless in its endless idioms and statements that run the gamut, touching every experience of humanity. Some of it is absolutely hilarious, some of it wildly inaccurate, but this one struck a chord with me because of its truth. Now it's truth we hear Jesus speak when he asked the question in Matthew 16, 26 for What will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, but loses his soul? Now, I know the show is just getting started and I typically save my questions till the end, but I've got to ask this. Is there a greater form of poverty than that of a lost soul? What is your soul worth to you? Now, we've been discussing detoxing all season. We've looked at shame, new age mysticism, lust and them daggone Pharisees. Now, throughout this time, it's possible to have listened to every episode before this one and been like, nah, son, not me, boo. And I respect that. But see, this one right here, it affects all of us, often in ways we're not aware of, or if we are, we're not comfortable discussing. Now, I'll be the first to admit how uncomfortable this episode was for me, but I think we're up for the task. So let's dig a little deeper. Now, Rue calls me Sister Disclaimer because that's how important clarity is to me. So let me start with this. I am in no way saying that money is bad and that rich people are evil. Womp womp. Money is simply a tool. So in the same way a hammer in the right hands can build a house, but in the wrong hands can take a life. So it is with money. This combo isn't about that. One of the ways the Bible identifies a good person is that they leave an inheritance for their grandkids. Talk about generational wealth. It's in the book. So let's get all of that out of the way. I'm a huge fan of the fire movement. I'm pro baby steps. And I think budgeting, while at times annoying, it is the way of the wise. So stewardship is the standard. And now that we've got that clear, can I continue? Because most of us know this truth and we're still missing it. Now, notice I said we because this topic convicted me more than probably all of the others. Now, let me throw in a few fun facts because there are certain misconceptions some of us have grown up with and it's affecting our relationship with money, which eventually affects our relationship with everything else. So here are three quick truths. Number one. 
Money is not the root of all evil. Loving it is. And there is a massive distinction between the two. Number two, having money doesn't make you evil in the same way that poverty doesn't make you more spiritual. We got to stop that, y'all. Amen. And amen again. It ain't real unless the D is at the end. <laughs> Let's get to number three. Jesus spoke more about money than he talked about faith and prayer combined. Like out of the 40 parables he taught, 11 of them included money in the illustration. Fam, this is not a small thing because it mattered to Jesus. That means it must have mattered to the father. Therefore, it's got to matter to us. Now, I was shocked when I first found this out because who knew money was such a big deal? Yet we've got to ask the question, is it possible that there's a correlation between my money and the condition of my soul? The short answer, absolutely. But let's discuss why. First up, story time. Now, all throughout the Gospels, we get to experience the encounters people have with Jesus. Now, let's take the story of the rich young ruler. And for the sake of story, I'm using his initials and calling him Ryer. You get it? R-Y-R. Okay, it may be a little corny, but it works for us. So meet Ryer. Picture this man who is fly and he's young and he got it like drips and waves and all that jazz. I'm an older millennial, so y'all gonna have to help me out here, but you get the picture, right? He's educated and he's wealthy. He is the personification of what we would call today the hashtag blessed life. Brother was winning. And yet with all that money, all that status and influence, he knew internally something was missing. He had all this stuff, but in his heart, he knew he wanted more. And so he steps to Jesus with confidence, offers him a compliment and asks him a question that he needs answered for his own soul's sake. Now, this story is juicy. So check out Mark 10 verses 17 to 27 when you get the chance. You can even read along with this episode. That would be dope. So Ryer steps to Jesus, calls him good and then says, what must I do to gain eternal life? And so Jesus says, well, are you sure you know what you're asking me? But then he says, you know, the commandments don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie and honor your mother and father. Now, with confidence, Ryer still says to him, Jesus, I've kept all of these things since I was a child. Now, here's where it gets alive. Look at the way Jesus responds. He looks at him and he loves him. And it's in this loving position that he places a weight on all of his doing that Ryer refuses to bear. He says to him, there is one thing that you lack. Take all you have, sell it, give the money to the poor, take up your cross and follow me. Bloop. <laughs> Bloopity bloop. Notice the conversation is immediately over. We never hear another word from Ryer. But what we do know is he walks away grieved. Grieved, fam? Wait a minute. This is it. You've just met Jesus. You had an audience with the only one who can fix that angst in your soul. And you left him grieved? Now, it's easy to be incredulous with this guy, 
But how many of us have had moments with Jesus where he pressed upon us instruction that would take us exactly to where we needed to go, only to be frustrated that that was the thing he would dare ask of us? See, I'm coming to you for a breakthrough and you're telling me to go love my neighbor, even worse, my enemy. I'm coming to you because I want a promotion and you're telling me to keep meeting you early in the morning while I still got to put up with my stupid boss. I'm coming to you, Jesus, begging you to change this relationship dynamic. And you're telling me to go tutor those terrible kids in my community. Fam, how many times have we left him grieved? Now, what's wild is there is no other instance where anyone left the presence of Jesus without what they came to him for. But what did that for Ryer? Like, what was the barrier that stopped him from simply following the commands into eternal life? It's simple. Mammon. Money was his God. Now, we can see that and think, Yeah, that sucks for that guy over there, but I don't know what you're talking about, son. Money's not my God. Sure. But are we sure? See, it's not that Jesus wanted Ryer to be poor. On the contrary, he simply wanted him to have true treasure in the right place. And in order to do that, he had to hit the heart because it's in the heart that our treasure resides. And every encounter with Jesus will always, always hit the heart. But the heart is such a tricky thing, isn't it? Like Jeremiah says, it's desperately wicked and even goes further to ask the question, who can know it? My mama was preaching one time on this and she explained that the heart has the ability to hide itself from itself. This is literally the definition of self-deception. And yet today, all we hear is that we should follow our hearts. So you mean to tell me I'm supposed to follow the thing that is lying to me the most? But isn't that what we do? And isn't that how we end up in these greedy spaces and mindsets following a lie? So nah, we may say it and post it, but we're not only building an inheritance for the sake of our children's children. We're building empires to prove our significance and try and make our enemies jealous. We're chasing dreams into oblivion so we can show the people who played us that we are worthy. We're attaining assets to prove to the younger versions of us that wore hand-me-downs and went hungry sometimes that the only person who will ever take care of me is me. But friend, Do you really think you can take care of yourself better than God can? If this were based off of our actions, yes, we really do believe that. What are we saying to God based on what we're doing? That endless hustle, the nonstop hurry, the burnout, damaged relationships and loneliness once we finally get to the top? For what? When we look back on all that our soul paid for, the stuff we now possessed, We've got to ask ourselves, was it worth it? Now hear me healthily. I am not against hard work. It's biblical, but I am against working for something instead of working from something we already have, which is peace, acceptance, security, and rest. So the deeper question in all of this is where is my heart? Because that's what Jesus is after. So what happens when our heart has found itself entrapped with greed? We become spiritually poor. 
Here's how. And here's the problem with greed. It smuggles itself into our heart. And it's kissing cousins with self-deception in this way. Greed refuses to fess up to its own actions. Think about it. Greed is not like stealing or fornication or even gossip. These are sins that when we're in them and we're doing it, we know it and we'll repent and own it. But greed is sneaky. When was the last time you ever heard anyone say, I repent for wanting more than I needed. I repent for refusing to be content with what I have. I repent for not wanting to put a harness on all of these desires. Most of the time when we're being greedy, we don't even realize it. And this is what makes materialism and consumerism so tricky. It keeps us from asking the hard questions about our lifestyle and our choices because it lulls us into a grim numbness to simply heap unto ourselves more and more without consideration to who is affected especially if it fits the narrative we want to portray about our identity and significance. Greed stops us from going there, from creating external accountability to ensure that we don't gain the whole world, but lose our souls. Chasing riches, we've become spiritually poor. So how do we know we've become poor? I heard a pastor put it this way and it wrecked me. He said, we're in trouble when we see that believers and unbelievers share the same definition of what we'd call the good life. Now, to be clear, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having homes, cars, and even toys. One writer said it best. It's the love of wealth, not the amount of wealth that starves our soul. I'll say that again. It's the love of wealth, not the amount of wealth that starves our souls. Now, this bears repeating because the flesh will misunderstand truth on purpose to continue its carnal pursuits. Nevertheless, we press into the word. So again, there's nothing wrong with having nice things, but we go astray when the pursuit of all the things begins to have us. We start to operate in the spirit of mammon. This is what Jesus talks about in Matthew 6, 24, that you can't have two masters. It is impossible to live with a divided heart. You will never serve one without loving the other less. Meaning you can't serve God and mammon. Now, mammon is the sneaky desire to have riches and live independently of God. It's subtle and it happens to us more than we'd like to admit. When we begin to use money as a means to replace trusting in God, we're serving mammon. And that's what Ryer was doing by the time he got to Jesus. Here's the spirit of mammon at work. It seeks to have the kingdom without the king. It seeks to be holy, completely independent of the Holy One. See, the goal is to give God shout outs as we climb this ladder of success. But God, don't you dare tell me what building the ladder should be hooked up to. And so we overwork, not because we enjoy what we do or because it's making a difference in people's lives. And this is our God given purpose. We overwork because this kind of work is much, much easier than trusting God. It is much more soothing to the restless soul than the work it takes to rest with joy in uncertainty and trust in him who promised. Isn't it like we'd rather work than trust because toiling is easier than trusting for the soul that needs control. 
We've made trusting God the bane of our existence instead of the invitation to the deep, fulfilling life it was meant to be. And so even when we don't love the work anymore, it will still have a vice grip hold on us, convincing us that we need this much more money and then we'll feel secure. Then we'll feel safe from ever going back to that place that still haunts us to this day. We toil away more acquainted with our projects than our family and friends, not even realizing we've become slave to the thing we think we can control. We don't even notice that we've exchanged true intimacy with Jesus, the real wealth, with the need to feel significant, secure, or in control of our lives. And we think money will bring that to us. We've traded real fulfilling love for the fleeting pleasures of likes and stuff and boxes at our doorsteps. We've given up time with him for quote unquote freedom. But what do we do when that freedom has us bound? See, Ryer had everything but the most important thing, the eternal treasure. Now, why would Ryer, possessing all that he had, ask about eternal life? Because even he understood that none of this stuff is as everlasting as our souls. Let me paraphrase Jesus's question in Matthew. What is the point of hustling, pushing, burning the candle at both ends to gain everything you could ever want in this life, but lose out on the next one? Where's the advantage to that? What is the actual gain? You know the answer, fam. There is none. And this is why serving mammon is a death trap. It's temporary. Money is temporal. Things are temporal. We don't own any of it. And that's okay. We're called to be managers, to be stewards of everything we have. But true stewardship starts with contentment. Here's poor stewardship. It's actually robbery. We don't own what we have. So when we are wasting time, talents, money, we're actually stealing from God what he's lent to us. But let me get back to this podcast. Now, if we don't own any of it, where should our treasure be? You know, in Jesus. What we value to the highest esteem is what we will treasure. What we're willing to sacrifice for is what we treasure. And what we honor with our lives is what we treasure. Fam. Isn't that all of what Jesus did for us? Why wouldn't we treasure the one who richly and fully treasures us? Now name for me another faith or way of life in which the God who wants your life will first lay down his own. I'll wait. It's like, no, I won't because it's a podcast. I got to keep going. But you get my point. You want to know what's wild about Ryer to me? Jesus promised him treasure. He said to him, you lay all this down, you'll have treasure in heaven. This same one that Ryer calls good, he bows to him. He compliments him. The same one is the one who promised that if he just gave it up, he would have a treasure that will never end and will fully satisfy. All Ryer had to do was give up the desire to be his own savior, lay aside worldly riches and follow Jesus towards the only true prize. But he wouldn't do it. The need for more left Ryer poor. And out of his poverty, he walked away filled with sorrow. 
Does Jesus make you sad? Or will you make him your treasure and discover true wealth? Now, I want to end this podcast episode with Proverbs 30 verses 8 through 9, because I'm finding it to be the heart cry of a striving saint. It reads as this. Here's God's word. Two things I ask of you. Don't deny them to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, who's the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God. That's the text. my question. I'm just playing. (laughs) I won't even have a question for you this week. I think I've asked more than enough throughout the entire episode. The goal was not to harass you, but to prompt the pause we all need to think about what we think about when it comes to wealth and what that really means. Thank you for letting me be with you today. We're living in some strange, strange times. Many of us are out here. We're experiencing grief, loneliness, anxiety, and all kinds of assaults on the mind and soul. If that's you, please, please hold on. I know that it's hard and it hurts and it feels like it's never going to let up, but this is a fight worth staying in. Do not quit. You are too loved to ever be let go of. So to you, I'd say, don't let go. Even if fighting with all you've got looks like the bare minimum to somebody else, it doesn't matter because you're still here to fight. So stay in the fight. Push. Are you feeling hopeless? Then encourage somebody else. If you're feeling lonely, be kind to a stranger. And if you're scared, reach out and ask someone to share their strength. We're striving to be a community that is healing and hope filled living out the gospel with our hearts and hands, not just our mouths. So you're welcome here and we're delighted to have you. Now, if this brought you any value, I'd be honored if you'd subscribe to the show for more soul-hitting episodes delivered freely to your device each week. Check out our website, soulworkwithson.com for more thoughts. We're on Facebook and Instagram at soulworkwithson. Now, listen, we're winding down with season one. I cannot believe we made it this far. Thank you for being with me. And I'm thinking about doing a bonus Q&R episode. Now, if that's something you're interested in, send me some questions through DM or you can email me at hello at soulworkwithsan.com. That's hello at soulworkwithsahn.com. Let's change, fam. We're in this together. Now, remember... You're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Talk soon. <laughs>